remember when we read 1984 in schools and we're like, this will never be the future. And look, just like maybe a mere 10 years later, it I is. I never thought that that wouldn't be the future. I am a very Big Brother's always pessimistic watching. person. Yeah. Are we recording? Yes. Yep. All right. Definitely recording. This is the Marble Forest Podcast. Hi. Hi. This is, I'm Amber. Jesse. Hi. I'm something. She is the ghost that is this podcast studio, Devin. <laughs> I'm actually Tim the Soup Ghost. Oh. Oh yeah. Devin. Uh, hey. When you killed when you killed the plant, it released me. <laughs> <laughs> I now haunt this room. You know what I was thinking about the other day? What's up? That I should just put a fake fern in Tim and call it a day. You could. And then he'd never die. Yeah. And then I'd never kill him. But and then I wouldn't feel ghost, so bad. He... We can make Tim a succulent. They're harder <gasps> to kill. Aww. I did kill one on my front porch, though. You did. Did you forget about it? Yep. That's why. <laughs> Definitely dead. I've, I've been keeping a cactus alive for many years. Since, like, junior year of high school. Or, wow. so, or senior. Wow. He's still alive. That's like eight years. Yeah. He's still alive. No, I definitely could not keep a plant. All the rest of my cactuses died, but that one's still alive. I just, sometimes I just have better things to do <laughs> than water a plant. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't really have much to talk about besides my coworker listens to us now. I have co- we have a couple things to talk about. Yeah. First things first, let me tell you a little story about um, how your life got flipped, turned upside down? Yes. My coworker. Let's call him Steve. All right. Steve, the coworker. I told him I was going to call him Steve. Okay. <laughs> he gave, Steve, the coworker. But he totally gave me his permission to tell the story, so I really don't think he cares if I used his real name or not. He's Steve now. We're it's canon. Steve. Steve. So he comes up to me the other day at work and was like, dude. You won't believe what just happened to me. Like, just happened? Yeah. Like, he walked into... Like, okay. It was... It was, it was over the span of a couple days, but he, he had walked into work. He had just done something. So, he said he was at work, and this lady... Like, he helped this lady out. She left. Like, walked outside, left. Came back in, walked straight over to him. Is like, you know, I just feel like I don't normally do this, but there's something different about you, and I just need to talk to you. Uh-huh. And okay. he's like, okay. So they like talk, and he's like, okay, I'll just talk to her. And they like set up a day to like meet and like talk more. So they talked for like a couple hours, and he was like, okay. And then he's like, we talked about like my goals and like, you know, future stuff. And then he was like, and then she gave me a book and I took the book and I was like, okay. And I got home and I was like looking at it and I decided I was going to read some of it. And it was called The Go-Giver. And so he's like, I read like five sentences of it. And then I was like, I should probably search this. And this was the day that I was talking to him. He had just decided like, I should probably Google search this and see what it is. Yeah. And he found out that he was trying, someone was trying to recruit him into the Amway Pyramid Scheme. (laughs) (laughs) I thought this was a ghost story, not a pyramid scheme. (laughs) And I was like, what? And he's like, he's like, yeah. I just ripped up the book and threw it in the trash can outside. And I was like, really? And he's like, he's like, yeah, I saw it. And I was like, oh no, fuck this. And he said, he's like, I set up a meeting with her the next day and I'm totally not going. Like, I'm just going to ghost her. I deleted everything I knew about her. And like, he waited for me to leave work that night and literally went over to the trash can. He threw it in, pulled it out and was like, see? Wow. (laughs) Colts. It was pretty entertaining. I was so amused. Like, I thought this was, like, a weird, like, when you're beginning the story, like, a weird, like, median, like, I sense a real bad thing happening in your life. Are you haunted by your experiences? When he was telling me it, too, like, that's what I initially thought, too. And then, like, I didn't really think, like, as he's telling it, he's all I think is, okay, maybe, like, she's trying to tell him something. I don't know. And then he's like, 
pyramid scheme. <laughs> I was like, this is the best. Huh. Fun. It was pretty funny. Yeah. The book was in the trash. Yeah. I saw it. Yeah. It's a real book. It is. It, it does exist. But yeah. Um, should we talk about how we're going ghost hunting? We are going ghost hunting. I'm As literally like terrified. Less than an hour prior to this recording, we have bought a tickets to a ghost tour. I'm literally going to cry when we go. So there, should I like say the place? Sure. I mean, might as well. Oh, and uh, by the way, we're going ghost hunting from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. Because the that's time. That's a good idea. It is the best time to go ghost hunting, in my opinion. So, yeah. As we talked about in the past, Devin went ghost hunting, and her family has gone ghost hunting, and it's through, I don't really care, I'm going to promote you, the Detroit Paranormal Expeditions. Um, so they just, like, choose places around the area that are haunted and shit, and hopefully, maybe, one day, oh, I should talk to them. About doing a ghost tour at the place my story's at today. Ooh. But yeah, so we have signed up to go to the Old Mill Museum in Dundee, Michigan. Um, apparently, I like I knew of this place prior to them putting it out there for an event. It's because anytime you search Haunted Michigan or like... Haunted Road Trip, Michigan. Mm -hmm. You know? It's one of the places that comes up. And, like, I always thought about doing a story about it. And maybe I will do a story about it, like, after the After fact. we go? Yeah. And, um, we'll see. We'll That'd see. I don't know. It might not be long enough, but. I mean, we could talk about what we see and stuff, too, or what we were, our experience. Yeah. You should bring recorders. Oh, yeah. No. I'm ter <laughs> literally terrified. You can hold on to my hand. How about that? I might need both hands and some Xanax. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm super excited because we're going to the we're going to the best time. We are. We're, we're gonna have a long day. It's gonna be so. It's fun, a long though. day. I'm terrified, but I'm like trying to be like, oh, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a fun experience. This is gonna be great. <laughs> it is. It's gonna be fun. I'm so excited. I'm literally. I'm excited and nervous. Yeah. But it, it should be fun, right? Don't let me get possessed. <laughs> oh, I won't. Let's see. What else What else do we have to talk about? Let's see. Uh, Exciting things. Uh, I can talk about how I tried to promote Theo as the next Tito's vodka model. I saw that. It was adorable. And Tito's never responded to me. Wow. Tito sucks. They never even liked it, and they never responded to me, and I'm like, fuck you, Tito's. I just decked my dog out and all your shit. <laughs> He would be perfect. He's so cute. He would be perfect. And I'm like, you should so make him a Tito's model. And then give you lots of money. Vodka. Lots of vodka and money. <laughs> Remember how I was going to do a t-shirt quilt? Yeah. I've changed my plan. And since my mom doesn't listen to this podcast, <laughs> I'm making a quilt for my mom. Oh, yeah? For my next project. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. You should definitely teach me how to do that. Oh, quilting is a, it's a pain. It's not bad. It's just like, it's a process. It's long. Yeah. But I'm excited for it. I'm going to see how it turns out. I've gotten like my dad and my grandpa in on it. And my grandpa was like, if she suspects anything, I'll throw her off the trail and then let you know. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's something to work on too that is going to be different. Um, Sen is doing good in oh, the yeah. house. My precious cat boy. They've been kind of like hanging out a little bit more lately. Paco's still a grumpy asshole. My cat just really wants to sniff your cat's butt. Yeah, I noticed that today. <laughs> he kept trying to get up behind Paco. He likes to run straight up to Paco's face and sniff him. And Paco's cool with that. But as soon as he goes behind him to sniff his butt, he's out of there. Well, it's fine. Paco can't reach him the bat at him anyways. No. He's got tiny little legs. <laughs> it's very cute when he gets annoyed, though. Um, I think I don't think we really have anything else to talk about. No. We are we recorded our after haunt special. Which by this time you would have heard have, it. Have already heard it. And we hope you guys like it. I haven't heard it yet, because I haven't edited it yet. Maybe tomorrow. Let us know 
if there's things that you want to hear about with our After Haunt special. Yeah. And please continue to send us stories because we want to record those too. Yeah. No. 100%. Like, write your stories. Write your creepy ghost shadow people stories. And Anything creepy. Anything you want to send us that you think falls into our realm. Which just 100% it. probably does. Please do. Everything probably does. I want to read it. I want to read stories, guys. Come on. Yeah. That'll be so fun. I want to fail at reading out loud for you. I'm terrible <laughs> at reading out loud. I, um, in high school, or like in school, would have to read out loud and I would stutter over words that I know how to say in my head. I'm saying it right. But then as soon as I try to read it, it's like a completely different word. Like I do a lot better with the, like with our podcast notes because I've gotten I, better. Already, I already wrote it. Yeah. You know, like. It's already me. I already wrote in my own words. I know. still s- stumble sometimes, but that's the thing, too. I was like, I wrote it, so I know what it says. Yeah. So in my head, it's easier for me to read it rather than, like, reading a book. Picking up a book, I don't know what the words are. Yeah. Well. Let's roll. In that case, let's drive on into it. Jive, jive, jive. I don't know. I'm trying to make music that goes along with it. I love it. All right. Devin. Oh, it's me. Okay. It's a Jesse. I was pulling up my thing to, like, make sure. Okay, so Jesse, I know you're in Michigan. Yes. We are here in the Mitten State, and actually, I wouldn't say fairly close, but fairly close to where we live. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. Great. <laughs> <laughs> like, but not close, but, like, close. Okay. How close is close? <laughs> we are at the Holly Hotel. Oh. Okay. In Holly, Michigan. It's not terribly far. No, it's not. So, the Holly Hotel has reportedly been one of supposedly the most haunted buildings in Michigan. You know, there's a lot of those things, right? So, in 19... Or, in 1863, the first railroad tracks to reach Holly was one from Detroit and Milwaukee. Founded by Henry Krapko? Krapko? Krapo? Krapo. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. C-R-A-P-O. Crapo. Crapo. <laughs> He's taking a huge crapo. <laughs> he built a modest two-story building uh, that was called the Washington House. Uh, more than 25 trains passed through Holly each day, bringing passengers, freight, and transients into the village and the saloons that lined Martha and Broad Streets in Holly. Martha Washington Street? Sure. So... On one of the streets, there were free-for-all brawls Ooh, that that's would t- fun. T- typically take place behind the hotel. Ooh. Yeah. So, like, they'd probably just get real fucking drunk and be like, let's take it outside, bitch. Everyone just goes out back and fights? Yeah. Is it constant? Or is it like, they, do they the, plan it? Do they have a Facebook it is, event? It is so constant, and so many people were injured that Martha Street was dubbed Battle Alley by the locals, and it remains that way today. Battle Alley? Yes. That sounds cool. Right. I like Battle Alley. Yes. So even on the Google Maps, the road is listed as Battle Alley. Really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Because I was, like, Googling it, because that's what I do. That's how we get stories. (laughs) (laughs) We Google them. Yeah. So it is a red brick Queen Anne style structure with uh, an octagonal 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 corner tower. Okay, beautiful. (laughs) It had hot water heat and elegant rooms, highlighted by his well well staffed and very cosmopolitan dining room. Oh, fancy! fancy. So, and I wrote apparently cosmopolitan is not just an alcoholic drink or a magazine. It's a mixture of cultures. I'm learning so much today. I know, right? So proud of you. On August 29th, 1908, the visit of Carrie Nation, who is a person. Um, Carrie Nation? Yes. Is that their last name? Nation? Yeah. That's kind of fun. Yes. Visited the ho- the hotel causing a ruckus. A ruckus? Yes. A wild ruckus. So, Carrie Nation... Yes. What entire nation? A wild west ruckus? Yes, a wild... This is always a wild west ruckus. It's so hard to say. I know. <laughs> wild west ruckus. Wow. It's kind of a tongue twister. A little bit, yeah. Say it three times wild fast. Rest. No, I'm not gonna... <laughs> wild west ruckus. Wild west ruckus. Wild west ruckus. Wild west ruckus. Nope. What entire nation are you doing? Right. 
<laughs> so, Carrie Nation was an American woman who was a radical member of the temperance movement, which mm. was the movement opposing alcohol at the beginning of Prohibition. So, she she's opposed- no fun. She's boring. <laughs> boring. I know. She's a we s- cannot be opposed to alcohol in this podcast. <laughs> she's a square. <laughs> she's a square? Yeah. Well... She is remembered for attacking local establishments with a hatchet. What? That were alcohol serving. Wait, what? So she'd come in and she'd be like, there should be no alcohol in this building. And then they're like, no, bro. Like, everyone's having a good time. Like, like, hold up. Come on, man. Be cool. Yeah, be cool. Be cool. And then she pulls out her hatchet and be like, is this cool? And she starts beating the crap out of crap. Jeez. Yes. She's a psycho. Yes. So she was appalled at the attitude of the Holly Hotel owner. And when he refused to condemn the drinking habits of the locals at his bar, she began to destroy the Holly Hotel and the owner had her arrested and put in jail. (laughs) I would have had her arrested too. Yeah. Uh, How do you make that call though? Like, how do you like get the police and be like, hey, I've got a psycho lady um hatcheting down my hotel because we have booze here (laughs) i don't know be like there's probably a cop at that bar anyways and just like turns around like what the fuck (laughs) like (laughs) another thing about her was that she was concerned about tight clothing for women oh you gotta be modest she's prude too yes So she refused to wear a corset and urged women not to wear them because of the harmful effects on vital organs. Okay. And today, the Holly Hotel celebrates her visit each year. Oh, that's exciting. Do they just break up? Do they break? (laughs) Yeah, do they like have like a, one of the, what are they called? Those like aggression rooms where you just break shit? Do they just do that in her honor? No, they have a special, well, they might actually. So they have special menus, a reenactment. Oh. Of her visit and specialty reduced prices on alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Let's go that day. Yeah, I don't know when that day is. Wait, do I know when that day is? August. Oh, August 29th. Okay. Uh. We'll go for my birthday if I'm not in Seattle. Okay. Sounds fun. Um, We'll go celebrate the crazy hatchet lady. Yeah, we will. <laughs> for cheap drinks. Yeah. We'll be like, take this hatchet lady. And then chug our drinks. <laughs> yeah. And take we'll this wear corset. Lady. And we're going to wear tight clothes that look sexy. We're wear jeans and corsets. <laughs> That's a look. We will be so sexy in our jeans and corsets. <laughs> I love jeans and corsets. After the end of Prohibition, in 1912, uh, Joseph P. Allen, a New Yorker, purchased the hotel and renamed it the Holly Inn. And in January of 1913, the structure completely burnt to the ground. Damn. <laughs> That's disappointing. Yes. Because there's always fires. There always is. If there's always a ruckus and there's always fires. A fire ruckus. It's not a true ruckus until some shit's burning. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. And so he immediately rebuilt it with a more modest style, lowering the roof. And eliminating the top two levels of the tower. Oh. Um, Ellen then dubbed the building the Ellendorf Hotel, which was an imitation of the New York Waldorf. Love it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) He redecorated the hotel using Victorian style um, with rich woods, luxurious velvets, lace, and leaded glass. Leaded glass? Yeah, I'm assuming like stained glass. Don't lick it. I bet so many people lick the leaded glass. I mean, what a new. <laughs> so he redid it. Yep. Made it all fancier. Yes. So there are fine linens in China and one of the best menus in the Midwest that attracts vid- visitors from all over the United States. States. Uh, Pre-Depression area residents would dress in their finest clothing to attend the famous Sunday dinner at the hotel. Ooh. Priced at 50 cents per person. Ooh. Did you, did you convert? Which today is about $7. That's that's actually not bad. No, it's not. (laughs) But the thing is, I looked at the menu, dinner is not just $7. (laughs) 
oh. at that hotel. It's a little pricey. Oh. oh, I can imagine, like, nowadays, yeah. Yeah. The dinner was a very formal event, and people usually followed dinner with a performance at the Baird's Opera House, just one block away. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Dinner and a show. Yeah. Very fancy. So fancy. You're already dressed up for dinner, so you might as well go to a show. Exactly. I also hear that the opera house is haunted as well. Ooh, that's fun. Yes. Love a good haunting. I love a good haunting. Maybe one day. So, two world wars, the Great Depression, and the elimination of sophisticated train travel. Many residents left the area in the 1970s. What makes the train travel sophisticated? Have you seen those old cars? They like, were they were fancy. just fancy. Yeah. So, like, it's not fancy train travel anymore. No. Now it's just a and basic so, train. Yeah, Have you been on the people mover? That ain't a classy train. Well, I know that's not a classy <laughs> train. I've been on a train to Chicago before. Like, not one of the ones that goes to Chicago, but, like... So, just, like, basic train is the idea. It's you, not fancy. Instead of it being, like... You have tables like a din- and stuff. Like a dinner car. Okay. Yeah, like it, a dinner car, but now it's... You're just your seat. It's not a Red Dead Redemption fancy nope. dinner train. It's, it's just your seats. It's just, it's just seats. a bench. Yep. And then maybe a bar. Sometimes there's bars. Usually there's bars. Yeah. And some hobos. Yes. Hobo train. Why is there hobos on your train? Because <laughs> they're they're transients move, moving to find a better God life. They hopped onto the train. Riding the rails. Riding the rails for so long, Devin. <laughs> they don't know where the train will take them. Just wherever the wind blows. Sir, you're on the If the Chicago train's going train. wherever the wind blows, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> the train is just blowing in the wind. <laughs> oh, God, don't go to the Windy City. Uh, that's like the only train you can get from here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so, when everyone left, the hotel fell into disrepair, and over the years became a boarding house and a pizza and beer bar. Ooh, fun! Right? Pizza and beer? Pizza and beer. That's mm. fun. I like a good pizza and beer. And exactly 65 years to the date and one hour from the first fire, the Holly Hotel burned again. Really? 65 years and one hour? Yes. So, in January 19th, 1978, 65 years later, the hotel caught on fire again. Was it? What are the odds of that happening? Was it arson? I don't know. Some person's like timing it. They're like, <laughs> someone was like, I want to wait one hour until the last before. Yes. They got a little now. distracted by the matches or something. And then, oh, wait, man, I got to burn God, this. Man, this goddamn thing won't light. And they're trying to light a match for an hour. <laughs> they were trying to light the whole hotel with one match. They're like freaking out because they missed the deadline. <laughs> oh, shit, shit, shit. <laughs> you know, when you panic, it's going to be harder to light a fire. Yeah. So you got to be chill to light a fire. <laughs> Relaxed arsonist. You, you, you have to you have to feel the fire within you oh God. to light the fire. <laughs> well, you know what they say about arsonists? It's usually a sexual thing for them. Wait, what? Yeah, it's a sexual it, thing. It, so it's like a arsonist is a fetish. Yeah, oh, they get oh. off to it. Ew. It's like how people, um, like some people, they'll rob places because they like they get a power trip from it. It's the same thing. Oh, it's a weird. sexual thing. Okay, I don't like that. That's, <laughs> that makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I just like to look at fire. Feels the fire with it. <laughs> I like to look at fire, but I don't feel sexually charged from it. Well, then you're not an arsonist, probably. Not sexually attracted to fire. Not a fire bug. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on. <laughs> so the damage of the second fire was estimated at five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Jesus. Which was over $2 million today. Whoa. Holy crap. So, an aggressive two-year renovation began in 1978 with painstaking detailed drawings from 1891 and personal accounts from local historians to rebuild the building. So, they're trying to, like, remake it as close as possible. Yes. Okay. Isn't that cool, though? That is really cool. Yeah. And so the ongoing uh, restoration of the hotel has been a labor of love. Each piece of wood, railing, molding, tile, and glass that could be salvaged from the fire has been used and reincorporated into the decor. That's really cool. Yeah. The original stair stair railing, uh, which was led to the upper stairs, has been converted to serve as a railing for the main bar. And among other things, there was other things that I clearly cut out. (laughs) (laughs) On February 8th, 1980, the hotel was entered into the National Register of Historic Places in the United States. 
Nice. Um, the hotel is among elite group of properties that has continual food service for three centuries. Oh, nice. Right? And then, like, since I got all of this from their website, they have to tell them, tell everyone how good they are. So, major publications including Bon Appetit, The New York Times, Better Homes and Gardens, Mid- Midwest Living... And virtually every Michigan publication <laughs> has praised the Holly Hotel for its architecture, ambience, and cuisine and surface. It seems like it would be really cool to go see it. Yes. And if be we like, would have done this earlier in the day, I was going to take you for dinner. Oh, that would have been fun. Yeah. But I wanted Devin to be there, so. And I wanted Devin to hear the story. So. I'm sorry I had to work. We'll have to yeah, go fine. another time. Yeah. We'll make a, we'll make a date of it. It'll be fun. And then we'll hope we'll see a ghost. Except we won't, because I'll cry. So among that, the hotel has received numerous awards. And they have a lot of improv... Prov- they improv their food a lot. <laughs> ah. They just, like... We're like, fuck so, it, we're making this today. So the menu is printed every day. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Um, they also have afternoon tea. And they have a three... It is a three-course tea served with um, antique porcelain... And a private collection of china and silverware. Um, they also have a brunch on Ooh. Sundays. And they've also had professional ghost hunters come and document things in the hotel. There have been multiple ghosts documented at the Holly Hotel. And they do like a feature every year in October where they have um, ghost investigations and everything. Oh, that's fun. Um, in December, the Holly Hotel comes with the spirit of Christmas. With an old-fashioned Christmas celebration with the characters of uh, Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Ooh, fun. Christmas teas and an elegant 18th century Victorian feast. Every governor since 1979 has dined there. I thought you said died there. (laughs) (laughs) Died. That would be intense. They all have to have their last day there. They're like, wait, I can't die here in this hospital. I have to be brought to the hotel. Oh, no, I just mean, like, they go there for a sacrifice. Oh, they sacrifice? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. They're sacrificed. (laughs) Otherwise, the hotel burns down again. (laughs) (laughs) And another 65... Wait, we're approaching 65. Oh, God! Aren't we? (laughs) Every 65 years, this hotel burns down. (laughs) Usually, they add on an hour. Yeah, it's an hour later each time. Because it has to be done with a match. (laughs) No lighter fluid. The hotel hosts a comedy club. Ooh. And have had such acts as Pat Paulson, Bill Maher, Tim Allen, Judy Tenta. Sure. And hundreds of other weekly performances. Mm, that's fun. And it, so it's been pretty much haunted from the beginning. And Norman Gothier, a professor of parapsychology, and the world-famous Ghostbuster came to the hotel in 1989 and declared it to be loaded with spirits. Loaded. Loaded. This place is loaded with spirits. It's like a loaded pizza. An extra stuffed Oreo. Most stuffed. Mega most stuffed? Yeah. The most stuffed Oreos. Two most stuffs just shoved together. Are four times the cream. <laughs> They're limited edition. I know. Did you know that there are 110 calories a cookie? Yeah. You know how many I ate (laughs) in one sitting? A few. A lot. (laughs) I'm not ashamed. Okay. I'm glad. Live your best life. So, since then, it's been dubbed Loaded with Spirits. Yearly visits from the ghost hunters of Southern Michigan and many other independent groups have come with cameras and ghost detecting devices to perform all-night investigations. Mm. Most commonly known ghost in the hotel is Mr. Hurst. He was the first, one of the first hotel owners. Um, and when he owned it, it was known as the Hurst Hotel. He passed away in the 1920s, though he did not uh, own it when it was, when it caught fire the first time. Okay, so he didn't own it when it caught fire. No. He does not like noise, so he's not very happy with renovations. He has been seen wearing a frock coat, which I, I, I had to look this up, right? 
Did you, you know what a frock coat is? I don't know if I do off the top of my head. I said it's like a western pea coat. Okay. So like think of like a western. Yeah. And then like sort of like pea coat with like a weird collar, but it's like straight down. Okay. Yeah. Um, and a top hat. <laughs> He's most commonly noticed by the smell of cigar smoke. The smell is sometimes barely noticeable or very strong and overpowering. You can most often encounter him at the top of the stairs or in the Carry Nation banquet room. Ooh, the Carry Nation banquet room. Yeah, they named the banquet room after her. <laughs> Come on, they throw parties with alcohol now because of her. I feel like it's definitely making fun of her, and I love it. <laughs> it definitely is. But he can be seen anywhere in the house and has even been noticed in the lower level of the hotel, which was once known as the Tonsorial Barber Parlor. Tonsorial Parlor, which is like a barber parlor. Got it. Got it. Does sure. that make sense? Nope. Is it like a place where barbers were? <laughs> I think it's like a place where like he would have barbers come and get his hair cut. Maybe. Maybe. I didn't look in that deep into it. I looked how to pronounce it and what it meant. Devin, that's your job what, now. What is... The- <laughs> What's a barber parlor? Uh-oh. They're all independent barbers. Like, they don't work specifically for the place. They just have their own prices and you can kind of just go to whoever you want there. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's just like a little room with a bunch yeah, of barbers. it seems like that's what it is. All right. Sounds good. So you can hear his disembodied voice. Um, laughing in a deep tone throughout Ew. the house. Why? He's also been known to speak on occasion, although it isn't often directly at, directed at people. So, like, maybe, like, he's having an oldie conversation. Like, we're just talking and having a conversation. All of a sudden, we hear a random guy's voice say, Is that so, Bob? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little off the top, please. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So there is a ghost of a woman named Nora Kane. Okay. She has been described as petite and her portrait is displayed in the restaurant's main lobby. Her ghost has been seen in the bar in the back hallway, which once was the main entrance of the hotel. Oh, she's described as like graceful, like floating around, but not often complete by uh, she's sort of invisible from the knees down. Okay. She doesn't have feet. Oh, okay. Um, and she's always wearing beautiful dresses. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she changes those dresses or like what? she's the one ghost in history that gets to change their clothes. Yeah. Wow. Wouldn't that be cool? But she had to give up her feet for it. She did. Dude, I'd give up my feet to be able to change my ghost clothes. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and also like you just like float around. Yeah. I mean, so why would you need feet? Yeah, you don't need feet as a ghost, you just float anyways. It's fair. I like it. Yeah, it looks like she's wearing, like, a T-length dress. She's got stubs. But, like, she just, you just can't see both past her knees. Oh, okay. You just see the end of the dress. Yep. So it kind of looks like the dress is, like, rocket propelled and just floating around. (laughs) You in it. She's a Mr. Handy, but in ghost form. She's a rocket propelled dress. So, (laughs) she loves music and seems to enjoy um, when someone plays a good melody now and again. Her spirit is frequently encountered in photographs and especially during weddings held at the hotel. She has been seen. Oh, she has been heard playing the piano. Oh. And she will sing when someone else is playing the piano. Spooky. Yeah. She has been known to ask people standing near the piano to play her a tune. Play me a tune, Johnny. I need something to swing to. To jive. Let's jive. (laughs) (laughs) Nora has also been known to play with your sense of smell, and sometimes you can smell her perfume as described as a sweet flowery scent. And the smell has been noticed in any room in the house, although it's most common in the turret area in the main bar. I don't know. Turret area? I don't know what that means. Didn't look it up. There's just turrets everywhere shooting at everyone. I can see you. Portal tours. Oh, that's the cutest area of the bar. <laughs> and the most intimidating. Turret. A small tower on top of a large tower at the corner of a building or wall. Oh, so like the tower. Okay. <laughs> All right. I like our idea better. Yep. I want it to just be portal turrets. Are you still there? <laughs> the most active ghost in the hotel is in the kitchen. There are two young girls... 
one to have believed to have been severely injured in the stable when it was once adjacent to the hotel. She is rather happy and playful and has been described as being between 9 and 13 years old with red hair. Hmm. They're playful little ghosts that love messing with things in the kitchen. And many accounts played with most are teapots, hanging utensils, and meat cleavers. <laughs> oh, 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 wait a minute. She, well, she plays with a meat cleaver? She plays with a meat cleaver. She knows what she wants to play with. Yeah. So there's also been the sound of footsteps running up and down the stairway, accompanying by soft giggling. Ew. Creepy ghost children. Ghost children. I know. Ghost children are the worst. Let's, like, talk about that for a second. Like, if there's a ghost child at where we're going, I'm out. Sort of like me and chainsaws at haunted houses. I'm out. (laughs) One of the young ghosts was said to appear during a seance in the 1990s, too. Oh. But only one appearance has ever been seen. They just just exist. So they've only seen them once? Yeah. But they do a lot of mischief. Okay. So. That has only been seen once. Yes. Got it. There is a ghost dog. A ghost dog? Yes. Her name is Leona, and it is a Hearst's dog, described to be similar to a rat terrier, and this dog can be heard running up and down the hall, brushing up against people's legs. Phantom barking has also been heard in the early morning by the chefs. And... Last but not least, in February 1996, one of the owners was getting to, or managers or something, whoever was opening the hotel, was arriving early in the morning to get ready for the afternoon tea. Uh, as she, as it was her standard, she began to walk through the dining room and for a morning inspection, and when she rounded the corner to the dining room, she was greeted by the image of a Native American Indian who looked to be as real as anything in that room, but he had no feet. He hovered there for a few moments before fading away, uh, but no Indian has ever been reported before and none since. Okay. So only one person has reported this one sighting. Yeah. Okay. But, like, she's probably, like, you guys have to believe me. Right. Like, this fucking happened. Right. Yeah. When you visit the hotel... A staff member will be happy to show you around and giving you accountings of some unexplained events. Oh, that's if fun. You request it. Tell me all about the ghost stories. So, about the hotel, I was going to call ahead um, and see if they'd like let us explore around. Yeah. Um, but we should also like have dinner there. Yeah. <laughs> and not, or like tea, depending on what time of day we go. So, come to find out that one of our friends grandparents friend of grandparents someone owned the hotel that we know that we we know well we don't know the person who owned the hotel but they know someone who owned the hotel oh at one point in time recently but they are no longer with us and she has been trying to get a hold of the daughter for us to tell us a story about the hotel oh so that might i might add that in sneak that in a little later but as of right now, we haven't heard anything back from them. But. Interesting. But yeah, so so that is the Holly Hotel. Ooh. And we will go there and try to investigate, maybe? Maybe. Or maybe. just have a good dinner. Just have a cute dinner. Be all fancy with our China tea sets. I like it. Yeah. So, let me take you back to where we were last week. Well, the last story. To Savannah, Georgia. Okay. (laughs) Perfect. So So we're hopping on our train to Savannah, Georgia. Back to Savannah, Georgia. Yep. I'm going to talk briefly because I definitely probably could have found more information, but like every site I was trying to find had literally the same stuff. And I was like, please give me something better. That's it. Okay. So we're going to talk about the Sorrel Weed House. Oh, I've heard of this one mm-hmm. in my search of the Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> yes, the Savannah, Georgia, famous for its ghosts. Savannah, Georgia. We should definitely, like, try to go there. And ghost hunt? 
Yeah. And cry. Like, let's, like, take a long weekend. Take another weekend off in July, everyone. Everyone, um, <laughs> take every weekend off in July. Ain't happening. We'll get on a Spirit Airways trip to Atlanta, and we'll go to Savannah. We'll get on our train. All right, so the Sorrel Weed House was built in 1840 for Francis Sorrel, designed by noted architect Charles Klusky. Klusky. Um, but the, the house was built by Francis Sorrel, I guess. Um, so the ba- house was both the home for his family and a meeting place for the affluent. Oh, fancy. So Francis Sorrell was a wealthy plantation owner who was originally from the West, uh, from West Indies. He eventually became one of the most prosperous shif- shipping shipping merchants in the business. Yep. So I'm going to tell you about him as a person. Okay. Um, he when he first immigrated, he married a young woman named Lucinda Moxley. She was 17 years old at the time. I don't know how old he was. It never came up in my research. Probably old as fuck. Um, So she was from an extremely wealthy family, which did business with Francis's business. So her family did business with him. Okay. Lucinda unfortunately died just five years after their marriage in 1827. So this was like a few, several years before the house was built. Okay. Two years later, in 1829, Francis married Lucinda's younger sister, Matilda, who was 23 at the time. Oh. And like I said, I don't know how old he was. Old. Just rolling with it. He's just very old. His shipping business grew exponentially during this time period, and he quickly rose to be one of the city's most potent, oh, sorry, prominent and wealthy men. So it was rumored, though, that Francis had a long ongoing affair with a young slave girl named Molly. Um, Okay. Supposedly, he arranged for her to have a special quarter set up above the carriage house so that they continue their affair in private. I've seen this on multiple websites, but it was, like, rumored. Okay. In... The early 1850s, Charles Green purchased a lot that was located in the western corner, like, from the Sorrell house. Okay. So that is what is now known as the Green Meldrum house. Charles Green was a really good friend and business partner to Francis. Their wives were also related. Miss Green was the niece of Miss Sorrell. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So she there's, was even younger. There's a lot of related happenings here. That are slightly concerning. A lot of young women. Yep. Um, The two families were very close, and they traveled every summer to Northern Virginia. Ooh, their vacation. They vacationed together. In 1856, Francis decided that he needed more space for his family. And he gave up his private garden on his lot to build a house, a townhouse, for his sons to live in. While he lived in the mansion with his wife and daughters. Oh, okay. So he's just like, I need a better space for everyone to live in. This mansion is getting too crowded. Here, have this townhouse, boys. Yes. He's like, I don't want you living in the mansion anymore. When I think of a townhouse, I think of where we lived. It also said teenage sons. So they had their own townhouse. They probably weren't mad about it. They probably partied all the time. Wouldn't you? I would. I mean, we did. I I do. (laughs) When we first got our townhouse, we partied all the time. Yeah. Um, so a few years later, Francis decided to sell the mansion. He sold the mansion to Henry Davis Weed, thus how it became the Weed Sorrel House. Weed House. Um, Wait, do they sell weed there? No, I don't think so. Does Georgia have their medicinal? I have no idea. I don't know either. So, when they made the sales agreement, somehow, I don't really understand this part. Somehow, they didn't actually move out for several years. <laughs> <laughs> Here, buy this house, but you can't have it yet. So, like, he was sold the house to Henry Weed, and then they made this agreement where him and his wives and daughters still lived in the house for a lo- for a while, it sounded like they might have been, like, living there while their new house was being built or something, but I'm not sure. Okay. And so there wasn't, like, an official move-out date for the family. 
But in the records I saw, like, the family was still living there in 1862 when General Lee visited. (laughs) And Henry Weed didn't take full possession of the property until 1862. Okay. So, like, they just lived there for a long time. Yeah. You don't have to pay rent anymore? I totally get it. They're just like, hey, here's the deal. We'll sell you our house, but we gotta live here for a few more years. (laughs) When Henry Weed took over the house, he insisted that Francis have the windows in the townhouse bricked up so no one could see his daughters through the windows. Huh. I don't like the sound of that. It's just, like, really overbearing. Like... Yeah, but, like, also, like, who wants to live in a room with no windows? No, no one. Unless you don't like the sun. Well, they boarded up one of the windows in my bedroom, and now it doesn't exist. I'm really upset with that. But I don't have the money to re-put a window there. (laughs) (laughs) So, Henry Weed died in 1875, and his family remained... In possession of the house. They they remained in possession of the house until 1914. Okay. Then the bank owned the home for a few years. And then it was opened again in January 1940 to the public as a museum for the Society of Preservation of Savannah Landmarks. Oh, neat. The house featured collections of antiques and artworks on loan from several Savannah families. Okay. Then, oh geez, in 1941, the Cohen family purchased the home, and they built Lady Jane's dress shop inside the lower level of the house. Lady Jane's men's haircuts. Yep, in the lower <laughs> and dress shop oh. and dress shop. The house was then purchased again in 1996, and the Lady Jane's shop was torn down and renovated. Renovations were completed on the house. Then, (laughs) they changed hands a lot. Yeah. The Sorrel Weed House was open to the public in August of 2005 for historic tours and haunted ghost tours. A few years later, the house was designated a Georgia Museum and Foundation. Hmm. So here's a few ghosty goos. So Francis Sorrell's ghost has made himself known in the dining room of the house um, his spirit's known to move the chairs, like, like push them back and forth away from the table and back to the table. And on one occasion has thrown a candlestick across the room. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> he was also known to host parties in the two. There's like two connected parlor rooms. And one is um was like an area for the men and one was like an area for the ladies. And guests to the house have reported smelling cigars and brandy. Yeah. And in the rear parlor room, so in the ladies, which was the ladies drawing room. Ooh. A woman- Do they draw people like French girls? Yeah, that's all they do. In the ladies drawing room? They just draw all day They're all just naked in there, drawing each other. It's like a giant art study class. So, a woman took a picture in of, like, the large mirror in that room, and when she looked back at the picture, there was a woman wearing a fancy blue antebellum-style gown, and she was clutching a shawl underneath her chin. Okay. Do you know what that gown looks like? That's what I had to Google. Okay. Nope. Yeah. I'm just assuming it's pretty and blue. It's, like, think of southern dresses. Oh. Like big poofy. You look like your Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Southern dresses. Okay, that's what I want to wear when we go to Savannah. <laughs> okay, just that. You're gonna just die that. from perfect. Sweating. I love it. Let's both wear them. All right. Ghosts are really common sightings in the mirrors. So a lot of people have reported like they'll take pictures in the mirrors and then like there'll be someone who wasn't on their tour in the mirror or like a small like shadow or like it looks like a person in the mirror. Okay. Um, It seems like that happens quite a bit in this house. Yeah, I think I've seen a couple of pictures of it before. Francis's son, Frank, was a doctor, and he used the basement's house as his office for several years. Um, Tour guides at the house called the the room he used the surgery room, and it said he used it for um, trauma surgery. 
Okay. I don't like where this is going. So there's a lot of activity in the basement in general. People have experienced unexplained touching, bizarre shadows, bizarre feelings, and people have seen an apparition pacing the room. Ew. No, don't pace the room. There's a chair that'll move on its own. And there's also a little girl who has been seen in the surgery room that likes to play hide and seek. No. No. <laughs> that, like, in itself creeps me out. <laughs> so many people have been, they've felt strange sensations of nausea and choking in the basement. Oh no, why are you being choked? I don't know. I hate that. Um, those who consider themselves sensitive to psychic energy have described feeling panicked for no reason. I'm gonna die. Yeah, you you might. <laughs> no. The house seems to harbor a like vortex of dark energy. Ew. Oh yeah. Hey your demons, it's me, your yeah. boy. So more basement stuff. Let's see if I go right to basement stuff. I do not, I skip basement stuff. We'll go back to the basement. Remember okay. that it's creepy. I I will. <laughs> so do you remember the story I told you of Francis's affair? Nope. With the slave girl Molly. Yes. He vaguely oh, yeah. might have had an affair. Yes. So um, that may have to do with the next thing that happened in this house. On March 27th, 1860, Matilda Sorrell fell to her death from the second or third floor window. Or third? We're not quite sure where she fell from? She just fell from a window. I saw um, two different. Once at second, once at third. So okay. I'm not really sure. We put both. Okay. Her death was ruled as a concussion. But many people think that it may have been a suicide. Um, some think that Francis's affair was discovered one night by Matilda and enraged by her husband's infidelity, she committed suicide by leaping from the window, bashing her head against the flagstone courtyard. Ooh. And it said a few weeks later, after the grisly death, the um, Molly was found in the carriage house hanging from a noose. But that is an alleged suicide. Yeah. Could just be, like, to go with the story. Yeah. People have also reported seeing a woman in black in the house. There's always those women in black. Women in black. They um, like to fuck your life up in these houses. And some people think that could be Matilda's spirit still oh. connected to the house. And it has dark energy because it's pissed. It didn't. Um, wouldn't you be? Husband's yeah. cheating on you? Yeah. There may have also been hauntings from before the house was even ever built. In 1779, the Revolutionary War was taking place around where the house was built. The siege of Savannah during the Revolutionary War was located to what was later developed into Madison Square. And that's really close to the Sorrel Weed house location. Like, I think it's, like, across the street or something like that. Like, really close. Okay. So, according to many historians, it was the bloodiest hour of the entire American Revolution, with well over thousands of casualties. Oh. So, according to the guides at the house, the site of the Sorrel Weed House may have served as barracks for British soldiers. And one night, a cannonball went through the bar barracks and killed 12 British soldiers on site. The soldiers can now be seen in some areas of the basement. Hmm. Just hanging out? Just hanging out. Living their soldier ghost life. Living their best lives. There's okay. This is this is creepy basement stuff too. You ready? Yeah. No. There is a breezeway in the basement where guests can sit in a chair and are sometimes vid visited by a shadowy apparition. No one knows who the spirit is, but one guest reported feeling every emotion at one time before being so scared he ran from the house. Oh my gosh. That seems. Like, I feel like I'm going to have anxiety thinking about how that would feel. <laughs> I sort of, part of me wants to try it and part of me does not. It's terrifying. People's cameras and cell phone batteries, which would be fully charged before the tour began, would be completely drained of energy by the tour's end. So there's like... Maybe it's just a dead zone. Yeah. Dead. Dead. Dead zone. Dead uh, zone. Uh, uh. Uh. So I wanted to find more... 
hauntings and stuff, but like I could not find many more things than that. Yeah. So I don't really have anything else for you, but I remembered I have my fun fact because I wrote it on my hand. Yay, fun fact. I saw somewhere we're talking about Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. (laughs) Bitch, Um, I'm Tom Hanks. In a league of my own, bitch, I'm Tom Hanks. I saw... Look up the song Tom Hanks. Just look it up. That's what Jesse's... Oh, what am I doing? It's funny. That's what Jesse was singing. Yep. Who's it by, Jesse? I don't know. Brennan would know that better than me. <laughs> um, speaking of Tom Hanks, the opening scene of Forrest Gump is filmed from the Sorrel Reed House or Sorrel Weed House. Oh, neat! And uh, we were talking about this, and I wasn't gonna like add it in, but I remembered reading it, and I was like, "Oh man, we we're talking about Tom Hanks. We should add this in." Yeah. So, apparently, this person's name is Buckwheat Groats, but... Oh, my God. (laughs) Love it. That's a beautiful name. It is a beautiful name, and I'm pretty sure he's not a famous person. Love it. In any way, shape, or form, he just has a song on Spotify. We're not famous people either. Nope, and we just have a podcast. Um, So, it's shorter, but I thought it was really interesting. I, like, um, tried to find more to see if the affair rumors held more, like substance but i just found everywhere that it was kind of rumored oh, okay so i didn't i didn't couldn't find like an official like this happened but yeah some places were like is this ghost is this just a ghost story or is this real yeah but i thought it was interesting enough to like put it in there yeah now Devin, it's your turn what'd you write for your story i wasn't told to write a story <laughs> well you should have known better uh. no i'm kidding <laughs> here's all the top Top of my head knowledge of whatever. All right, Devin, go. Oh, God. Devin facts. Ooh, let's cleanse our palates with a Devin fact. A Devin facts. Devin doesn't have any facts. Oh, they think they might have found the lost continent of Atlantis in the middle of the African desert. In the middle of the desert? They found a structure in the middle of the African desert called the Eye of the Sahara that has rings within rings, and they think at one point it was underwater. I like it. (laughs) I like that Devin fact. It's a fun Devin fact for you. Devin, this is your new job. A p- <laughs> palate cleansing Devin fact that might sometimes be scary. Oh, okay. Yeah, I you can, can do that. bring up like your Japanese folklore. You just bring you mean up like on- that one monster that would trick people into looking at its eye and its butthole? What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a yokai. Its eye and its butthole. It had an eye in its butthole. It would uh, trick people into looking at it because it liked to play tricks. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. Sure. <laughs> uh, so that's it. That's what we got. That's the story. And I'm sticking to it. Yep. Don't buy a livestock. Oh, we're not there yet. Gosh. I like to jump ahead. <laughs> she said. She says don't buy livestock, though. But what if I want a sheep? I just want a cow. What if it's an undead it? cow? An undead cow? Do you want ghosts in your house? A ghost cow? A go- we yeah. can go visit the ghost cow at the Traverse City Asylum. Oh my god, Aww. we should leave flowers for it. <gasps> we should. <sighs> so cute. So if you enjoy our podcast and enjoy us speaking like idiots. Into microphones. <laughs> into microphones for, for the entire world to hear. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Please. You can find us anywhere where you're currently listening to podcasts. And if you know of places that we are not let us know message us on twitter yep i respond on twitter sometimes i do we have a 14 minute response time on facebook so you might get a response there too in 14 minutes pretty fast you know we're trying you can find us on twitter like i just talked about at the mf cast you can find us on Instagram at Marble Forest Podcast, and you can email us your personal fun stories. Do it. Like creepy, uh, cryptid, shadow people, aliens, you name it, we want it. You can email us at marbleforestpodcast at gmail.com. Please, I want to read spooky things. Yeah, we, we always want to read spooky things, and you can also... Find us on Facebook.com slash Marble Forest Podcast. Where we have our 14-minute response time. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also like to give a special thanks to Jenna, who did our logo. 
Cameron, who did our music, and Devin, who Googles things for us. And flips our coin. Yep, and she knows her jobs. She's great. And <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening. Don't eat livestock, friends. Don't eat your livestock, friends. Yep, sure. We can sign out that way today. All right. All right, goodbye. And don't have fate, bye. <laughs> I couldn't let it end. I had to put it in there.